Welcome to the Edified Equity Podcast. My name is Dino, and here we focus on all the unique benefits associated with being a passive equity investor in an apartment syndication. You can learn more about and follow us on the web, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and finally, our award-winning blog on Bigger Pockets. All associated links will be in the show notes. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review. Today on the Edified Equity Podcast and YouTube show, episode number 75, we are going to be talking about trust curves and how and why you should 2x your quality deal flow with Richard C. Wilson, founder of the Family Office Club. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. Yes, thank you. Thanks for being here. So Richard has multiple businesses and he helps implement performance-based family office solutions for $100 million plus net worth families through his Centimillionaire Advisors. He's also the founder and head of the Family Office Club, the largest membership-based family office association with roughly 1,800 or more registered family office members and they host 25 live events every year. He personally has spoken at over 225 conferences in 17 different countries, and he has the number one best-selling books, that's with a plural, uh, on family offices. And I'm gonna let him, later on in the presentation today, I'm gonna let him expand a little bit more on that, because today, like I said in the intro, we are gonna be focusing on doubling the quality deal flow, but before we jump into it, I wanna introduce him a little bit more and speak on something else that he does, another aspect of his business, which is giving and adding value through genuine thought leadership. So Richard has helped me as well as Edified Equity be uniquely unique in our approach to our audience. And he's really helped us stand out in a very positive way. Our viewers, listeners, our partners, they realize that we bring something that's interesting to the table and it really helps differentiate us in a way that matters to them. And that's what's important. So he's also helped me personally narrow down my audience so that our firm can serve as the Excedrin to their migraine instead of being a you know, quote unquote cure-all. And by being unique and adding value, we've been able to do it, he calls reverse the flow. So instead of our firm chasing and hunting people, um, they see us through our thought leadership, consistently adding value. And ultimately they reach out to us because they want to do business with us or they want to plug into what we have to say through our thought leadership channels. So, and Richard, I'm not even sure if you're hundred percent aware of all this. So I want to do really quick. Cause I really want to give you the mic, but I want to take an opportunity to kind of bring this full circle with you. So you have been for the past two years as what Jeffrey Gittimer, Brian Cherry, and Dan Kennedy have been to you. You have served as that all wrapped up into one for me. Now I've been knowing of Richard for about two and a half years and for the past two, I have implemented as much as I could in the thought leadership space for his recommendation and guidance. From building a brand and a business with a credible reputation to becoming a thought leader. And by the way, I started from dirt. I mean, I started, I had zero and I built this in a very short time frame of two years. So what has it done for me on the thought leadership side? It has led me to be uh, invited as a speaker of several engagements, conferences, meetups, 
I started my own podcast. Obviously, you, you might be listening or watching us on YouTube right now. And I have a waiting list for both guests wanting to come on. And I've created multiple written content, articles and blogs for all the social media platforms that I'm plugged into. I personally, I have them right here. I personally have read two of, I think he has eight, possibly more, possibly more books. Um, I, this year, my brother and I took a trip to Italy. One of the only book I brought was one of Richard's books um, for the flight there and flight back so that I could stay plugged in and abreast. Um, but for the past two years, I've listened to every podcast that the Family Office Club has put out and schedule permitting, I've even plugged into the live webcast, the live YouTube stream, personally have attended in person a family, uh, a live family office club event. And our paths have crossed twice, once in New York at the Family Office Real Estate Summit and once here in Denver, Colorado at a commercial real estate conference. So I consider him a mentor and the epitome of long game value add business strategy. What he's done for me is given without expectation and I followed his complimentary quality consultative educational content model as much as I could have. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I talked a little bit about what it's done for me, but I have also personally been invited to attend two of his conferences. And Richard, I, pers I really believe that this takes it back full circle. I believe that you are the exact reason that you're here on my show today is simply because I plugged into and done everything that, well, not everything, but as much as I could um, for your guidance. So I, I liken this to when you appeared on Jeffrey's podcast or even the time I heard you talk about at 26, you wrote 500 articles and you found yourself on stage in Europe speaking, you know, same summit where the prime minister of Turkey was there. Um, listeners, two years into this, and I have another at least 30 years of runway ahead of me. I've constantly given value, put out my best advice, strategies, and key learnings. And in doing so, I have built genuine relationships by positioning myself as a true authority in our industry. My business, there's no way in the world I would be where I would be today without Richard and the Family Office Club. He knows how to play the long game, build relationships, create strategic choke points, and help you co um, correctly position yourself, self what I call grizzly style. And he understands the value of building a true business. If you can't tell, I'm super excited and truly honored. I'm not just throwing that word out there. I'm truly honored to have Richard C. Wilson on the Edified Equity Show and podcast today to share with us how and why you should 2X your deal flow. Richard, the floor is yours. Great, great. Yeah, no, thanks for having me here. That's, uh, that was the best introduction I've ever had on a podcast. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and it's great that you're doing video with this too. I think it makes it a lot more interactive and personal and, and valuable for everyone listening. So uh, today what I want to go over is uh, not only increasing deal flow, it helps to be a more effective private investor. And for anyone who's listening to this, if you're looking to raise capital from private investors, then these ideas will help you have more contacts, work with them more effectively. And if you are a private investor yourself, it's going to be very direct in terms of the value and how you can move through the world more quickly. So I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, thank you. So first off, um, you know, a disclaimer just to make sure in your jurisdiction, your vehicle, you can use the advice. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Family Office Club at familyoffices.com is our platform. We publish more thought leadership than all of our competitors combined in the family office space. And that's how we attract clients and uh, people like yourself, you know, to our brand. 
We also have Centimillionaire Advisors where we help ultra wealthy that are worth you know, 10, 15, 20 million, many times 30 million or much more like $100 million plus get access to better real estate investments uh, like multifamily independent sponsors and funds or like a deal we're closing right now in a fintech company or a deal that we're papering uh, right now for a premium bath salt company. Um, we get people access to that deal flow through Centimillionaire Advisors and we take just a performance fee and we get that deal flow from the Family Office Club because we host 30 events a year and 6,500 people a year come to the events and 200 investors speak on stage each year at our event. So I'm always learning from the investors on stage mm -hmm. and we've been doing that for over a decade and then we're always getting deal flow from the 6,500. You know, the top 1% are pretty good, interesting deals. So that's how our kind of, you know, ecosystem works. I'm not gonna spend much time on this About Us page. If anyone wants to learn more, they can just go to familyoffices.com. I wanna get right to the content so I don't lose anybody. So this slide is about the trust curves uh, that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. This took me about a decade to realize, but it's a very simple concept. It's that almost no deal gets done or deals get done a lot faster when you pay attention to these trust curves. At the end of the day, investors just want to be high conviction, high trust, high confidence in an idea before allocating their capital. And that sounds common sense, but how do you navigate that as an investor or someone who's trying to convince somebody to invest with them it's really through trust in the leadership, the CEO and the team, mm -hmm. trust in the industry and understanding it, and then trust in the deal. So this is why people start with friends and family money and they raise capital for people they've known their whole life. It's the easiest because they're so far up that curve that they cannot even know what stem cells are and they might still invest with you. Otherwise, uh, the way to look at this is to say, when I go into a meeting, am I going into meetings with people as an investor where I don't know the team, I don't understand the industry and I'm not local to the asset. If so, you're probably not going to invest. You probably shouldn't even go to that meeting. If you spend all of your time as a family office or a private investor looking at just self-storage and healthcare because you're a surgeon and you like self-storage, then you're going to understand that industry. And if you only look at local deals or deals in your region, you can do due diligence faster and you get to know the team. So as an investor, you have to kind of pick your battles and see what you understand, where's your strength, where can you do due diligence quickly, um, how hard will it be to go visit the asset. And if you're raising capital for something that's in Toronto and you're based in Singapore, or you're based in San Diego and you're raising capital for a deal in London, it's gonna be challenging to convince people in San Diego to invest in London, even though people know things about London. So it's even harder if you're trying to convince them to invest in Arkansas, right? And someone's in San Diego, almost impossible. So the, these trust curves play a part in every due diligence process and every sales pitch. And every time you walk into a room, you should think, where should energy be concentrated? Am I here to get to know the team or to get to know the industry or to get to know the individual deal? And that can help you evaluate what meetings to take and who you should be meeting with, whether you're an investor or an investment firm looking at this. Uh, another idea I want to go over real quick is just co-GP structures, waterfalls, and joint ventures. A lot of family offices want to be smart and feel smart when they're investing. And the family office is just an ultra-wealthy investor. And so a lot of them are negotiating that if they put 20% into every deal that an investment firm does, they want to pay performance-only fees, or right? they want to be a co-GP partner and get a little bit of the carry if they're going to take half of every deal you do for your next 10 deals. As long as they're in a region meeting certain metrics, maybe they've done two deals with you and they loved it. They said, hey, we want to stake you and help you get to the next level. But to do that, 
we want to put up 20% of your GP commitment, 20, and we'll help you raise 20% of the LP commitment from our own balance sheet, but we want 20% of the carry as well, mm-hmm. then that's a co-GP structure. And a lot of families haven't heard about that, or they don't know how to source it. So keeping your eye out for those opportunities where you can help an investment firm raise capital or source great deal flow, or because you brought the great deal in, you might be able to negotiate a co-GP position is something smart for investors to do. And as an investment firm, you just have to keep in mind that if somebody is worth 30 million or like a group I just uh, was texting, one of my clients is worth 130 million, um, they got there through being savvy as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So going in with your term sheet, you know, you should expect that some are gonna push back and renegotiate. And they're gonna want something entrepreneurial, some shared upside, and you want them to open doors for you and be motivated to help you as much as possible. We have something called the uh, Registered Surgeon Association at, at uh, surgeonassociation.org where we're building an investor community for surgeons, help them divest or invest in other practices and uh, get access to good real estate deal flow, et cetera. And I, was just, I just hung up the phone with my strategic partner on that side and we're formalizing a letter of intent uh, to help us grow that. He's a board certified surgeon and it's relevant to this because it doesn't move the needle for him to just invest passively too often. He does in real estate, but he sees this as his surgeon area of expertise. And so I want him on board as the president or a managing director or someone that's helping grow a podcast like this for surgeons. And uh, what's most important is to like, think about it from their perspective and come up with something creative that's going to pay respect to what they bring to the table and motivate them to keep on bringing that value to the table. So the more you can structure things like that as an investment firm, the more entrepreneurs will appreciate you and take meetings with you, I found. Uh, Performance-only fees are another trend, and people have heard of performance-only fees. Maybe you charge someone 0 and 33, 0 and 50 versus 2 and 20 or 1 and 10. And I think investors would rather pay performance-only fees, but some are afraid you're just going to take big risk with their money, and you either make a lot of money or they lose all their money. And it's very binary. And so... What's interesting though is like people say, oh no, that doesn't work because then you're gonna take huge risk. But meanwhile, people are doing these complicated commercial real estate deals. They're inventing you know, different types of option arbitrage, hedge fund strategies. The whole industry seems to have written off this approach when really, if you just have the performance fees go into an escrow account and they're dripped out over 16 quarters to come, and if you take big risk and things go down, you lose that escrow account and performance fee. Now you're aligned over the long term, over a seven or 10 year period, and so the investor is like, okay, you only get paid when you win, and you only get those winnings off the table if you continue to win for me. Otherwise, you don't get those earnings, and that aligns people. To me, that's so much more aligned than a normal structure. It's not for everybody, but I'm just surprised it's not mainstream yet, and I help families negotiate these types of structures because I think it's a wave of what's to come. On, in terms of doubling your deal flow, uh, there's a couple slides that I go through uh, on this actually, and I want to uh, not go in too deep on this first slide, because the next couple are gonna go uh, more deep, but the real overarching message here is that no one cares about more deal flow if it's bad deal flow. It has to be within your strike zone, and you won't get deal flow in your strike zone unless you know what that strike zone is. So if you're watching visually, there's a table here with about 15 different boxes of criteria. Most investors have two to four boxes of criteria. They haven't developed it enough to say, no, I want only this region, only this asset type, only 50 doors to 200, so I stay under the institutional guys, only things at a cap rate of this, and age of the building of this, or this type of an operating business, I only want majority control or minority, or et cetera, this type of debt or LTV. The more specific you are, 
then the more you can then focus on where is that deal flow that matches that criteria and you can get more of the deal flow you want and your team protects you from everything else and your partners don't send you anything the things that fit your deal flow otherwise you just you know don't feel need to respond or you uh, focus your energy on, on what you actually want but most investors including most listening to this I would bet aren't super intentional about exactly what they want and sticking to it so you can know nothing about multifamily or nothing about stem cells but if you look at 60 deals you're going to know quite a lot by the end of that because of that focus and then you can adjust your criteria and make it tighter over time mm -hmm. and what I found is that a lot of investors rely upon one deal finder or one group to find their deal flow, but those that are very good at investing have many sources of deal flow. And they have coming in from many different directions from the right communities, they're positioned well, they have good reputation, they close on things, they put offers on, and that helps them get more deal flow. And families really want anomalies, they don't want average deals. So they need to do things that are a standard deviation or two away from average. And we were just talking about this on the call I hung up on, one thing that almost sound too good to be true is because of your strategic value or that you've looked at thousands of things that you're able to get access to that type of deal. Yeah. And if people don't see that whole system going on behind the scenes, they won't even think that it's possible to do what you just did. One example is I just invested and got a 5% stake in a company that three weeks later had a term sheet out at a 2.5 million valuation versus the million that I invested in. And they have a term sheet out with two banks now for a $10 million valuation. It's because of the strategic value we add at the door, not because just we're in the right place at the right time. And now quickly the company is growing in valuation. That's possible because of some of the strategies we're gonna be talking about here on the next slide. Um, it's important to have high conviction in your value as an investor. Uh, you can see this as an investment firm working with brokers or an investor uh, who is working with pieces of deal flow or investment firms. Essentially, you have to know, you know what value do you add besides just being a check if you want to get shown deals first. So as people know that you take deals seriously, that you actually invest in the space, that you can help with deal flow, with opening investor doors, help with due diligence, help with rehab of the property. There's a client of our investor relations marketing agency, which is called uh, pitchdex.com. We've got 53 clients there, and one of them is this group that has 22 years of commercial real estate construction experience. And their pitch to other multifamily groups and commercial real estate groups is we'll come in and help improve construction management, reduce costs, get things done on time, help with rehab oversight, and we'll bring some LP capital to the table. And no one else is offering that combination in the marketplace. So they're getting offers to come in at good valuations or co-GP type structures. Yeah. I think that's smart. Uh, there's different ways to position yourself for deal flow. Uh, one way is to figure out what you want to attract and brand your firm around that name. And basically when people look for a strategic manufacturing investor or multifamily investment firms or multifamily investors in Denver, they find your firm because you have branded it around that topic and you've given talks publicly and you show up on Google and Amazon and YouTube around that term. So you get to see the deals first. I know one group in the Midwest who closed seven deals last year and they have 300 million of assets. They only invest in one city with one type of commercial real estate asset. And because of that, they get to see every deal first. Yeah. And I know another firm at 400 million in AUM three years ago, I saw their structure. It was very lean kind of performance-based structure. They said, I haven't seen anyone with that exact type of structure before. I think you're going to explode in growth because their deal flow is so high quality. They only invest in another part of the Midwest with another type of commercial real estate. And they've grown to 1.6 billion 
in three years from 400 million. So it's explosive growth, not just because of fees or just because of deal flow, they have both going for them and people really like that. So figuring out how in a sentence you can say your strong position, that's gonna get people to remember what to send you first is important because you'll never see deals exclusively first or at a superior valuation if people don't know exactly what you want and what you can do with it once you get it. And if people know that, then you'll just be getting deals systematically, uh, you know, routinely. And, and that's true with family offices, private investors, and investment firms who are listening to this. And one thing that we do is draw out visually on a whiteboard, where are all the points of distribution? So we work with families starting at 15 million net worth, 20 million and up. Um, we work with a lot of families who are worth $100 million and up. And a $100 million family is called a centimillionaire. And many people know about billionaires and they've never heard of centimillionaires, mm. even though there's 18 times as many of them. There's 55,000 people globally that are worth $100 million plus. So we draw out the blueprint of where are those people? What do they look for? What help do they need? And we want to be the most helpful to them and be strategically helpful in putting their family office together. So we called our business Centimillionaire Advisors. We bought centimillionaires.com. We got a Centimillionaire infographic created last month. We wrote the book Centimillionaire Strategies. That puts us in the map. So when people look for centimillionaires, we've got you know half of the Google search results at this point. And so we're always producing assets in that little niche sandbox. And if you want to get great deal flow, you have to identify the sandbox you want to own and that keyword term you want to own around it. Like when we wrote a book, How to Start a Family Office, or the book I'm writing this month uh, on Pitch Decks uh, for our PitchDecks.com division. It's all about positioning to attract opportunities, deal flow, companies, investment firms, and investors to you. And then things multiply, like Sun Tzu says, uh, opportunities multiply as they're seized. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're thinking about like on this blueprint, if you're following along visually, there's like a hub spoke model on here, like an art- architect drawing something. And if you can think about where your investor prospects or your deal flow is aggregated, then it's like fish in a barrel collected for you. And then you can say, oh, okay, well, if I speak at this manufacturing expo and I'm the only investor there and everyone else is selling manufacturing equipment and financing and other things, then I'm going to attract deal flow because it's just boring Nebraska-based manufacturing expo and investors might not want to bother to go there. If you do that consistently and you're the biggest thought leader on investing in the manufacturing space or manufacturing tech, even a smaller niche sandbox that maybe no one else is competing in strongly, then you can do well. So if you focus enough, you can run circles around everyone else in terms of positioning. And I know that's one of the strategies that you've been deploying and, and having great success with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's key. I think focusing geographically can help a lot. Uh, any market, if there's tons of competition and noise, just hyper-focus. So in Times Square, there's a billion dollar plus firm that does investment management only in office parks, only in Times Square, a half mile of Times Square. And they get great deal flow because everyone knows that's all they do. So they compete against the most competitive real estate firms globally. And they get that deal flow and they get deals done and they have credibility because they do leasing management, many different things within that little space. So they know about deals before they even go on the market and they can manage them better than the average investor could. So if someone needs to sell a deal quietly and quickly, then they can do so easily. Building a deal flow network is another way to uh, grow very quickly. And I've got part of this on uh, the next slide as well, but we've found that some people go from getting four deals a week to 40 a day because of one referral source. Yeah. I know a billionaire who became a billionaire because he has 85 deal finders that find deals for him and he's able to execute on those deals with this team and a uh, financing model. 
And I know another firm that's raising $175 million a year because of their uh, deal finder network. And I've got a client that I have an agreement with and uh, they're growing by a billion dollars a year because they got into a referral source of ultra wealthy investors that continue to flow to them. And now we're being another source for them and we send them several, several leads per quarter for their work. So it's really about looking at it holistically and getting the right communities, positioning uh, in the marketplace, proactive reach outs to people who are highly qualified, like with uh, surgeon partners and registered surgeon association, reaching out to surgeons when they know we're, we know they're a surgeon, but also positioning ourselves to be highly valuable to surgeons that want help with their investments. And so that's a perfect example of positioning where communities would be us being involved in other relevant surgeon communities or in the family office club, being part of a community where you can learn best practices all the time. Uh, acquiring choke points. We don't really have time to go into on, on this recording, but maybe we could do another one just on choke points. It's one of my favorite topics. It's basically acquiring something strategically. Once you acquire it, like familyoffices.com, you're not going to give it away. Now you have that power and momentum to keep moving the flywheel forward faster you know, down the hill. Mm -hmm. So what we do is help family offices really get access to deals through putting, you know, uh, nets out there to catch deals, positioning them, finding barrels of fish, positioning them at a waterfall so the fish are jumping towards them all day long. And that's how you get superior deal flow. That's how we get superior deal flow is creating an ecosystem through the Family Office Club. Like through CapitalRaising.com, people search for how to raise capital or Capital Raising Consultant. They come to CapitalRaising.com, opt in, get a free book. Now that's deal flow, but it's also a prospect for our conference business. So it's a system that produces byproducts of family office relationships and deal flow. And when you can create that for yourself or be involved in those types of organizations, then your amount of deal flow goes up, which means your top 1% of deals are gonna be way better than if you see 10 deals a year or four deals a year. Um, that, that has to be within your strike zone, of course, but um, quantity and quality is what I find is most important. Yep. Uh, we've got a bunch of free gifts at centamillionaires.com. We have 10 free resources there. And we do actually 30 live events per year now. We did 25 in 2019, 2020. We have 32 events planned in nine different cities all over the U.S., Singapore, London, et cetera. And uh, if anyone wants to learn more, I've got my, my contact details you know, up here if you're watching along visually. Otherwise, you know, audio-wise, it's just uh, familyoffices.com. Or uh, like I said before, centamillionaires.com. Com. So sorry, it's a little bit, it's a little bit rushed, I know, but uh, hopefully there's an idea or two there for everyone. Yeah, it's okay. And Richard's got a, an important conference to get to. So if you need to drop off, that's fine. I'm just going to close out the show and uh, we'll follow up sure. later on the back end. Sure. Sounds great. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Before we close out the show, something I wanted to point out that Richard and I were discussing is number one, when you are an emerging manager, you have the ability to implement some of the strategies that he discussed here because you can be flexible. I actually witnessed um, at a family office conference on a panel, I heard them say for emerging managers, what family offices really look for is an emerging manager that partners with an experienced manager that has 10, 20, 30 years of experience under their belt. But when meeting with a family office or talking on the phone, however you connect, one of the advantages that an emerging manager has is that 
they are part of the team of operators. And that is different when you're working with a large fund or maybe a REIT or even the stock market, other types of investments. When you are an emerging manager and you are the front face, you're the operator, you're the general partner of the business, you can leverage that to your benefit. And the family office or the high now worth individual, whoever you're talking to, the investor, really appreciate having that one-on-one -on -one intimate contact with you. And something else that uh, I wanted to point out is a lot of these strategies can be, be implemented when you have a 30-year window ahead of you. Anytime someone's in business looking to make a quick profit, they want to make as much money as they can, as fast as they can, I always say that to me is a turnoff. It sounds more like a gamble than anything. I would rather put in the time, build relationships, build a business over the next five, 10 years, stay in that business for an additional 20 years, maybe even 30 years. When you have a 30 year runway ahead of you, you have the opportunity to participate in some of the joint ventures and co-GP opportunities that Richard outlines in here. So for the family offices and the high net worth individuals and the investors listening, know that when working with an emerging manager, a lot of times there's a little more flexibility and you can truly create a win-win. And finally, we would love to have Richard back to specialize and talk about choke points at a episode in the future. I'll certainly reach out and send him a personal invitation to come back on. So I hope you found this information helpful and whether you're here for the education, the entertainment, or if you or someone you know has a problem finding the right place to invest their money, please help them by sharing this information. I don't have anything to sell, but I am on a mission and I will be delivering quality consultative educational content on a routine basis. Thanks for tuning in. This is Dino Pierce, CEO of Edified Equity, signing off. Goodbye.